why millions of people are reluctant to get the COVID vaccine has a lot of political business and healthcare leaders looking for answers. If you happen to be an expert in psychographics, you know not only how to change a lot of minds, but where you can find them. I can go into any community, any neighborhood, and I can tell you the density level of each of these five segments. So I can go to this neighborhood or that one uh, and tell you who lives there as a percentage. Hi, I'm Irene Silber. This is one in a series of podcasts, which is part of the Vanguard Vaccination Project. The project is in partnership with Global Vaccination Advisors. Today, Sherry Fox with Global Vaccination Advisors gets into the numbers with Casey Albertson. Albertson is one of the leading experts in the area of psychographics, a way to map the psychology of consumers. You have a lot of data on the psychological drivers around vaccination. What are some of the big ahas? Well, uh, just to give everybody some context, uh, psychographics is just another field of segmentation, much like you would do demographics or you might do behavioral research. Uh, psychographics is really looking at deep-seated motivations of why people do what they do. It doesn't replace the other forms, it's an additive piece, but it really gets at to why people do what they do. So in this research process, we uncovered uh, five different segments from highly proactive to highly reactive. So self-achiever is the most proactive. Uh, they're motivated by goals, measures, progress, scorecards. Uh, physician is very important for this person. The second group is balance seekers. This group is all about context, options, choices. And mm -hmm. one of the groups is priority jugglers. So this is the group that's in the middle. They're not necessarily uh, proactive for themselves, but they're very proactive for the people around them. The fourth group is direction takers. Direction taker doesn't necessarily mean direction follower. So this group has a high need for professional credentialing. And then the last group is Will Funder. And we called them that name because I can will myself through anything. I can endure any pain. These, are, these people are tough. Uh, this is my favorite group for a couple of reasons. One, it's big, it's 31% of the country. The second reason is they're the most reactive. They're just wired to live in the moment. And so we know this group on average has more of the bad habits, whether it's smoking, alcohol, uh, drug abuse. We know this group over-indexes versus the other five and all those. Now, the, the, there are a couple of big ahas that came out of this. Uh, first of all, we found two of these five segments are highly likely to vaccinate. So one is called the self-achiever, which is the most proactive of the five, which we kind of expected. And then direction takers, which is one of the most reactive. Uh, the one thing these two groups both have in common is uh, their affinity for and trust within the physician. So these, these groups both have a lot of PCP visits. Uh, they tend to have more disease, et cetera. And so they tend to be more likely to vaccinate. The second thing we found was the two groups that are least likely to vaccinate. One's called balance seekers, which is also a highly proactive group, but very independent thinking. And then we have the, the uh, Wolflanders is the other group. They are highly reactive. Now the two things that they, these groups have in common is they don't go to the doctor as much and they are institutionally suspicious. Now, what's really interesting is we did this same research in 2015 around vaccination, but back then it was around flu, DPT, polio. Uh, we had a client who was interested, so we put it into one of our projects. Uh, the same segments who are likely to vaccinate with COVID are the same ones likely to vaccinate with the other vaccinations. And the same two groups who are the anti-vaxxers, for lack of better terms, were the same thing in 2015. 
So that was one of our big ahas. The second one was we really looked at the, the time that people were going to do. So even though they said, yes, we're going to vaccinate, what was going to be the time frame they were going to do that? So we said, hey, within the week, within the month, three months, six months, one year, et cetera. Uh, so what we saw at the end of year one, the number is going to be 59%. But even at the end of two years, our data says it's going to be 72%. And interesting, 25% of these segments are pretty much a hard line, no, I'm not going to do this. So those were a couple of the big ahas. So would you characterize these balance seekers and willful endurers as resistors or hesitators? Are they some of each? Is one more resistant than the other? And what are some of the important factors with each of those? Yeah, I would call the balance seeker group more of the resistor. They were in the 40% hard line, I'm not gonna do this. Uh, the things they needed to overcome that was data on safety, efficacy, uh, and they thought the vaccine was developed too quick. I would call the wolf Endure group more of the resistor. Um, they had the same questions on safety and efficacy, which obviously can be addressed. Uh, but then next things were, they thought the cost was too high, uh, that there was co-pays would be too high. Uh, and when I looked at some of the sources where they're getting their information from, I wouldn't call it medically oriented. So I would call them more hesitant. That's a good term because they can absolutely be influenced. Balance seeker is going to be a little harder to, to influence. So when it comes to how CEOs and other leaders address these challenges, what are some of the critical do's and don'ts, particularly for these resistant and hesitant groups? Probably the number one thing I would do is encourage people to go to the PCP because we looked at 15 different sources of information uh, and who's a credible source. Your primary care doctor was number one. So I would probably encourage you people, go see the doctor, let them do some of the influence and not our behalf. Uh, the second thing is I would be very proactive in some communication stream if I was an employer or a community leader around what's going on with safety and efficacy, because that showed up number one and two for all five segments. Uh, and then the last thing, uh, balance seekers had that, you know, this was developed too quickly. So I would just be calling out another month has passed. This number of people has have done this and they're here's what's happened. Uh, because as I mentioned, this group is institutionally suspicious and they're looking for, hey, what's going to go wrong? And the more we can talk about over time what's gone right, that's going to be the way we can influence that group. Now, we found that channel preference email is probably the top vehicle people want to get this information. So I'd probably be doing a company newsletter through email talking about that safety, efficacy, and as time has passed. Now, on some of the don't things, it's pretty interesting. Uh, and I have four of them. Um, one of them is I'd be very careful with the notion of fear. Um, healthcare and religion both use fear as a means and to motivate. Uh, it only works with one of the five groups. And so I'd be very careful with the whole fear piece. When we looked at mandates, we asked the question, should this be mandated? Should our government mandate it? Should your employer mandate it? Just under 10% agreed that that would be meaningful. So that means 90% don't think that's meaningful. Mm -hmm. uh, the next one is around peers and peer pressure. Uh, you know, hey, the Bob in the line next to you did it. Uh, the number is only 8% of people see that as a meaningful source to convince me to go get a vaccination. So I just be cautious with that one. And incentives is one everybody's playing with. You know, do we do gift cards? Do we throw a party if we had 80%? Uh, only 12% of people said incentives were a means to motivate me. So even in the state of Ohio, you know, the governor's running a lottery 
And when I heard that, I'm like, well, you're going to get some, but it's, I don't believe that's going to have the impact. So it's not that you can't do any of those things. I'm not saying that. You should just temper your expectations based on the data we have. Is there any way to appeal to kind of some of those other psychographic characteristics, maybe attitudinally, emotionally? Yeah, so the, the self-achiever group is all driven by goals and measures and progress. And so they want to see, hey, 41.2% of the country is vaccinated, 44%. Now it's 60, whatever the numbers are, they want to see that. Uh, they are very driven. They're a look good, feel good group. And so when we do messaging to them. Uh, those are all the components we wrap into that. And they are very digitally savvy. The other group direction taker, they're much more in person. They need to physically have a discussion with a credentialed expert. You can send them emails and texts and voicemails or they're likely not to read them, not to respond. Uh, but that's the group I would really work hard to get to the doctor because they'll have an impact. Now, the balance seeker group, as we move over to the least likely to vaccinate, mm -hmm. they need context. They need choices. They need options. We need to acknowledge that they know their body best, that they, we know they've done lots of research, but here's a couple of things you can add to that. You can't tell a balance seeker what to do. The harder you push, the harder they push back. And some of it is just out of spite versus rational behavior. Mm -hmm. And on Wolfland and Durst, uh, this is the group that I think is most influenceable that's in the more on the no side uh, because there's just a lot of misinformation. I mean, when they most places, there's no cost to this. Actually, I haven't found any place where there's a cost to this. And that is the number three reason for that group not to get a vaccination. The cost is too high. The co-pays are too high. And so it's literally clearing up some of those misconceptions. You know, you work a lot with healthcare organizations. Why are hesitancy and resistance rates so high there in some of the healthcare organizations? Yeah, there's we have hundreds of clients and healthcare overall is has a lot of balance seekers. All right, balance seekers tend to be very knowledgeable. They're well-read, they're articulate, they will read a six page email, they'll click all the links, they'll download stuff, they'll process. Now it takes them longer to make a decision, but at least they're looking at the data. Um, but when we do surveys, so like I have one multi-state client uh, of 400 executives, 52% are balance seekers. Well, the national number is 17%. So they have three times as many balance seekers at the senior level of this organization. So that's interesting. If, if the senior leaders themselves are unwilling, how are they going to convince their employees? You know, what, how does that population have to be handled differently from some of the others you're addressing? Yeah, and I'm not sure it's that the population has to be handled differently. You would just have to handle balance seekers differently. It's about choices, options, context. You've got to give them what they need. And remember, this group, they can absorb lots of information. So the other four or five segments, if I'm an employer sending out a newsletter, I better have sound bites or it's not going to be absorbed. That group is a group I want to give more information to. But because we're, we tend to cater to the masses, we're probably not actually meeting the needs of this group who needs and wants and desires a lot more information than we're putting out there in the press or in the public or on websites. Speaking of the public, what do you think senior leaders should be doing in their communities to affect some of this change, taking into account the psychographic models you've developed? Yeah, so in the data we have, we do this thing called heat mapping because I have every person in the U.S. pre-segmented with one of these five segments. 
um, kind of interesting process how we do that, but I can go into any community, any neighborhood, and I can tell you the density level of each of these five segments on any block group. So I can go to this neighborhood or that one uh, and tell you who lives there as a, you know, as a, uh, as a percentage. And so what I would probably be doing as a community leader going, where are my biggest pockets of self-achievers? Because that's where I'm going to be able to win the fastest and move the needle the fastest. Then I would be looking for where are my pockets of willful endurers? Uh, because that's the group that can be influenced because everything we see is they're just not getting the right information. And so when you do that, there are things like community events, or I would be putting my vaccination centers there. Uh, when it comes to media spend, I'd be putting the we're in it together billboards in the self-achiever area and we have the right information, no cost billboards in the willful endure areas. <laughs> okay. Uh, and in social media, you can do a lot of things with geotargeting where you can do social media that only goes to this section of town. And so if you look at the data and look at the density of the neighborhoods, that allows you to do effective media planning. So and marketing is just the right message to the right person you know, in the right place, the right way. Uh, so that's what I'd be doing if I was one of these folks trying to figure out how do I help my community? You know, a lot of these numbers are a little depressing, Casey. All these people that don't want to get vaccinated. Is there any room for optimism? Oh, uh, there's plenty of room for optimism because the, the whole reason you, you do a psychographic study is to figure out what do I have to do to appeal to people? So even though 35, 40% of balance seekers are a no, 60% of uh, them are yeses, but they, they're farther down on the timeline. So as we start to get some of that information I talked about earlier into the right way, into the right hands of the right people, we can move that timeline. Um, healthcare is interesting. There's never, no, nothing's an absolute, there's never a hundred percent. But if you give each of these psychographic segments what they need in the right way, we should be able to advance uh, versus the timelines that we have in the research study. And quite frankly, that's why people develop psychographic models is to figure out how do I move farther and faster than I would have without this. So yeah, there, I, there's optimism in this. So it sounds like we have our roadmap. Identify the five psychographic segments of your employees or your com and your communities. Create messaging that's targeted to each one of them that will motivate them based on their unique psychographic perspective and get that message out in trusted channels. Casey, we thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it and your insights. And hopefully stay safe and healthy. All right, take care. That's Casey Albertson, Senior Vice President of Patient5, a digital patient engagement company and leading expert in psychographics. He was talking with Sherry Fox of Global Vaccination Advisors, a partner of Vanguard's Vaccination Project. Global Vaccination Advisors helps healthcare companies, employers, and governments maximize COVID-19 and other vaccinations globally by leveraging drivers, and overcoming barriers to vaccination. Podcasts like this one are just one of the membership benefits of the Vanguard Network, which organizes events, publishes content, and connects C-suite leaders. Our mission is building high-performance leadership. If you'd like more information about us or more information about the vaccination campaign, please visit our website at thevanguardnetwork.com. I'm Irene Silber. Thanks for listening.